0: Sorry, we're late. So exciting. You could eat while we talk if you want. Or you could eat after. (laughs) Oh, I hope you'll taste taste something. Yeah, please. Nibble. Okay. So, no, we're not starting. Thank you for your patience. I'm going to listen to you. Great. Yes, good. Okay, so, I also don't have copies. I tried to make copies last night, but it was after the staff had left school this is the one one you Mm -hmm. have this is from Barak Shomer Um, yeah I I can make more copies I just did not manage to have them for this morning okay and the ones that I do have are those old ones that are upside down where the four is on top so that's also not the way to do it I do no point in getting more confused okay so what's happened is we've been talking about psuche de zimra which is this level of teva it's the higher level of nature it's associated in our own in our own selves with our emotions Mm -hmm. Is right it's not the tangible part of our nature and yet it's part of our nature it's part of our physical nature even though emotions like you can't exactly point to them you can point to the results of them which are sometimes catastrophic in my case but you can't they're not physical, it's not a hand or a foot. On the other hand, it's part of our physicality. So that's the emotions, and in the same way in the world, the world, there's the physical tangible world, and there's also the emotional state of the world, so to speak, in the same way that within us, the emotion, Rav says, right, the emotion is the motor, and the intellect is the steering wheel. The emotion is what gives the power to our actions. If not for that emotional state, that nefesh that connects, it is semi-spiritual, but it's essentially part of our physical state, and it's what drives us. It literally is what gets us going, and then you know we gotta guide it. But just having a steering wheel with no motor, you don't get anywhere either. You can turn in the right direction, but you don't actually make progress. So the world itself, also, there's a spiritual state that sort of is the driver, the shaper of what's happening, and that's that Olam Hayitzira. That's the world of Mazel. That's the climate, that's the geography, right? We've talked about the earthquakes, all the things that shape the earth and what happens on it, the forces that push nations around. All of this is in the state of of yitzira, And that's what we've been talking about, dedication of our emotional life to God by opening our eyes and looking at at what happens in the world and recognizing that and then experiencing the... The emotional change that happens to us when we notice it. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that we feel our feet and we say we're going to use those feet for a vodas hashem, and we feel our clothing go on us and we're going to use that. So here, this is we we see a tsunami or a tornado or an earthquake or a huge mountain or a large river or an ocean or din, right? Or a whole nation that disappears or a whole nation that invades all these kinds of mega events and they cause us to feel awe and we take a step back and we're like whoa that's scary okay so that that emotional experience and then recognizing that that emotional experience is something Hashem created he's something much much bigger than that so to speak and much stronger. That's just part of his creation. So that's Rav Hirsch described the Avoda way back when, the Avoda of Suke de Zimra. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah, come in. We're just starting. Don't panic. Oh, <laughs> well, I have a few quotes from him, but he just, this, sorry, this is not his description of the Avoda of Suke de Zimra, but it is his description of Yira, of Yira, of Yira Shemayim, we contemplate the all-conquering omnipotence of God. Here, too, we learn that unshakable trust, which enables us to withstand all the vicissitudes of life and even death itself. Okay, this is going, we learned this. We've read it more than once, but it was a while ago. Okay, in contemplating Hashem's all-conquering omnipotence, which is terrifying, we actually learn to have a feeling of security this is you know i must have mentioned this i have a friend who says i'm just not willing to think that god causes these terrible diseases or whatever it is terrorism it you know so her relationship with god is a little bit strange anyway but it's not an unusual sentiment mm-hmm. Right It must be that people are doing that because and, and it, it, it actually comes from outside culture to a great extent, but this like, well, right, in Christian belief, which I'm not here to teach, even if I would be expert in it, which fortunately I'm not right, since they don't want to think that God could be anything other than warm and fuzzy, therefore there's a devil, or Satan, who is working against God. And out of his control. Now, how do they deal with that theologically? I have no idea. Like, Because what does that say about your God? Yeah, I have a it's out of like that, too, and I never know what to say to her. It's like, very I difficult. I can't but... believe in a God that took my mother. I can't exactly. believe in a God that... So I think that what people really are saying, and I don't know that it's right to tell them, but I think what people are really saying in that is I can't feel safe with the God who took my mother. Mm-hmm. Or I can't cope with I can't. Tragedy. I can't cope with the event. But that anger, meaning, because it's not not necessarily, people are not necessarily saying they don't believe in God. Sometimes they are. They're saying, well, I don't believe in him, and then I'm going to do this to show him that I don't believe in him, which is the opposite. Right. Right. So I think what people are expressing is that is terrifying. Like, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with somebody, say, well, you love me or you don't love me? Do you hate me? That's a very upsetting thing. But there is an element to which really, but that avoiding it, avoiding thinking of Hashem that way, avoiding realizing that he is the force behind all the power, what it does is it leaves you always in that unhappy state and fearful state. Because if, if God weren't in charge of those things, of terrorists and all these other horrible things, right, then who's in charge? Nobody. That's actually scarier. That means I have to be afraid of everything. That's anxiety. Okay. Anxiety is every noise you hear makes you jump. Anxiety is, you know, you can't fall asleep at nights because there's so many things to worry about. There and you don't about. have control over there, them, and, no control control over control them, over and either no one else has control or whoever does have control is is not where you could reach them or willing to hear you. Or is it or is not sentient, you know, an earthquake. Who can talk to about that? Right? So what Reverse is telling us is actually a deep, it's a deep psychological secret as well, which is that here too, meaning in the contemplation of the all conquering omnipotence of God, and he's not trying to play down how terrifying that is. If anything, he's trying to say, you gotta face it. You have to look at it. Here too, we learn that unshakable trust, which enables us to withstand all the vicissitudes of life and even death itself and which enables all those pervaded with the genuine fear of God to unlearn the fear of human power or natural force, and in its place, to acquire the skill of passing calmly and serenely through all the trials that are part of daily living. Because there is somebody in charge, and he there is nothing, no Satan, no nothing, who's stronger than him, which means that it may be terrifying to face God, and it should be but if you are terrified to face god then nothing else scares you nothing scares you no it pushes you in the right direction being afraid afraid. of hashem yeah on it learning fear of god unlearns you fear of anything else and therefore you are able to go through life calmly because you know you're in good hands well, that's the next step is knowing you're in good hands, loving hands, and that's where we're going to be moving to. Ellie Berlin told me that when I was pregnant with um, my youngest and I was having you know, issues, he told me that he worked on a rabbi. And the rabbi had, he said he had no knots, nothing. He, and he said, what do you do? He said, every morning when I do it, I give all the problems to God. He's going to take care of it. I'm like, wow, that's something. Um, And that's reality. I know. I try to think like when we think about about it, like we do get tense and it's so like it (sighs) is up to God anyway. He's got the problem. So he's holding it. So it's us who's not right? right? Like it's us okay. So that was to go back. That was just like a brief tour back to say what have we been doing Mm -hmm. all this time. What have we been doing? And that's what we've been doing. Okay. The Sefer Barak Amar, and we did um, hint to this a long time ago, maybe more than hint, I may have even quoted this Gemara, but it's, I think, a good sum up of where we get to in Pesuket de Zimra as a whole. He says, this closing bracha of Suke Des of Barach Sha'amar, Melech Mehulal Batish Vachos. Okay, we have... Blessed are you, Hashem. Melech, the king, mehulal, praised or praised reflecting, right? Batish Bachos, through praises. That through praising, Hashem is glorified, through our praise. He says, It's not really clear to us what this bracha is saying. I mean, this is Barak Shamar, is the bracha for de-Zimra, So, this bracha is supposed to be telling us what we're about to do, the mitzvah of P'suke de zimra and that bracha is summed up as Melech Mehulabatish Bachos. Okay, that's the praise bracha over here. And he says, What is it? We've already praised Hashem in so many ways using kind of the same words already. What is added? Through this combination of words, that Hashem is the Melech, He is the King, mehula Batish glorified through praise. We can explain this according to what has been explained to us, or explaining a Gemara in Brachos. It happened once that a person came and stood before the Amud. He's, he's leading the davening. The and he called out as the Nasachatu. So, what happens? You say Shmona Esrei quietly, each person alone, right? In a minyan, let's say. And then one person reads it out loud the same thing. So, what's Shmona Esrei? Baruch HaTashem, Okeanu, Okea was said, Okea Abraham, Okea Yitzchakel, Okea Yaakov, Hakel, HaGadol, HaGibor, Vehanora, Keel That Lashon, we're not up to this, is from Shmona Esrei. That Lashon is something Moshe Rabbeinu said. It's in the Torah. Okay. This man got up in this Gemara and Brachos and he said, HaKel, HaGadol, HaGibor, VeHaNora, VeHaAdir, VeHaChazak, VeHaAmetz, VeHaNechbat. He said, God, who is HaKel, the Mighty One, HaGadol, the Great One, HaGibor, HaNora, that's what we usually say. Then he went on to say, VeHaAdir, Powerful, HaChazak, and Strong, and also very strong, VeHaNechbat, and Respected, VeOdToar, and other such descriptors, other adjectives. The VeHikpidol of Chachamechad, and one wise man was, had was makbid on him, appropriately. So this is not a case of what Rabbi Goldberg's teaching on Thursdays where haqpada, he's defining as when we are makbid, like in a bad way, yeah. right? Like uh, out of out of proportion. This is a correct response. In this case, it means he, he was particular. He called him out on it. Ve'amar lo, bilashon k'peida. And he said to him in a a language of k'peida, of, of mattering. And he said, no, there's a problem here he called him out and he said in a wondering, like a almost sarcastic way, has his honored sir finished up all of his praises? That all? Great. Okay. Now this man said much more than what it says in Shavon Eser to praise Hashem. And this wise man says, oh yeah, is that all? Okay. Klomar. In other words, Kedib... If you, when a person gives a lot of praise, if you go on and on, then the the implication is that when you finish, you have said all the praises there are. Okay, There aren't other ones, because if there were, you would have said them. If you say lots of praise, then the suggestion is that that's how much there is. Whereas if you, if you are very sparing in the praise then it could be that's just the tip of an iceberg, right? There are people like that, right? They say little, and you know there's a lot more going on. I had teachers that you could tell which teachers are the teachers who who teach, but they know much more. So if you have a question, you could ask, and there's much more behind it. And then there's the teachers who teach, and you know they only know exactly what they put in the notebook. Like that's what they prepared, and that's what they have, and there's nothing more. And it doesn't mean what they're teaching you isn't good. You just very quickly learn not to ask questions because you're not going to get anywhere could you repeat that please or something like that right you know what i'm talking about like mm-hmm. so somebody who says a lot of praise they're chocolatey and they're blueberry and there is cinnamon and there's butter croissant so that when i stop you know there aren't any other ones right whereas if i would say we have a lot of croissants then it they're like almost unlimited the, the mind is free to fantasize about how many hundreds of types of danishes there might be okay the Al Ha'emis is a kemopagim of So, in truth, although it's not at first obvious, but upon deeper thought, saying more and more and more praise about Hashem can, in certain circumstances, be in fact an insult to his honor because Hashem is so great. So, this Chacham in the Shul was really right in telling this man, like, who do you think you are? Going on and on. Okay, this is a different explanation, I think, than the one we said before, which was about a person having his own ideas of how to praise Hashem. Even the Ache Knesset HaGadola and Shemona Esrei, they took Moshe Rabbeinu's words. Do you know what I'm saying? They themselves weren't going to go out on a limb and start saying, I know what God is like. He added on. He said, HaKel HaGadol HaGibor VeHanora. That's proper. And then he said, VeHaAdir VeHeChazak VeHaAmitz VeHanechvat. He wanted to add more creole cues to the praise. And what this man, what the Chacham said to him was, yeah, is that all? Like, how do you know when to stop? So it's also how do you know when to start? Like, maybe don't be so clever. Or it's a gaiva. It's a gaiva. Like, you think you even know something to pray? Like, how do you know? there's a Pasuk in Sehillah people say it in the right after Shir Hamals. who can express the power of Hashem and make heard all his praise when you have a when a Pasuk says me who can it means no one can we, we tend to translate it the English equivalent which would be like who can which can be sort of that said in that sense but isn't always but in Hebrew in in Torah, it's always that way, okay? So, mikamocha ba'elim um, Hashem, who is like you among the mighty Hashem, doesn't expect an answer. It means there is nobody like you among the mighty Hashem, okay? So, who can express all of Hashem's power and make heard all of His praise means nobody could do that. Ve'hine yadua Hakodesh ki Hashem shevach, and he says. So what are we doing here? Psuchih de Zimra is about that huge experience of awe and also about expressing it and turning it into praise. Being able to take that and turn it into praise. So that's, that's the challenge. And from here, he wants to get us to how do we understand this bracha, melech mehulal batish bachos? So he says, in Lashon Kodesh, the word shevach means... Kind of two things. The main meaning is halal and krios malos, uh, praising and saying somebody's high points, what's good about them. Okay, that's that's l'shabeach. Okay, but there's another word. There's another meaning for the word shavach. Od inyon sh'tika v'sheket. The word shavach, in particular, not halal halal always means singing praise, right? Not zimra, not shira. But Shavach actually also means silence. Like a puzzle against Tehillim, Hashem, you calm the uh, stormy waters. Mashbiach over there doesn't mean to praise the stormy waters. It means, we talked about this when we first talked about the idea of Shavach, is like to improve. So if something is very stormy, then Mashbiach is to calm it. It silences it. Okay there's other examples um Atamo shel begiusiam bisoga lavatat shabchem again when the oceans are start to storm up you quiet them Sha'ba'ru shagam im galai hayam which means that even when the waves of the ocean storm with all of their might and power you silence and calm them in Mishlei also you have um koruho That the Chacham is able to calm his spirit. If you get worked up, he knows how to calm himself. It doesn't mean to praise it. And this is a praise. Okay. So he says, how do you understand together that Shevach means praise and Shevach means silence? Or to quiet So, to, to reconcile the meaning of Shavah, which will then help us understand this Bracha Batish Bachos, he quotes a Gemara Yerushalmi, also in Brachos. On that same Pasach, who can, nobody could express all the praise of God, all the strength of God. Mashalim Margolis, this can be compared to a very perfect gem. Hey, Margaret can mean a pearl, it can mean a diamond, kinda of rubies, it's a little okay, some kind of very perfect gem. The Laysla Erech that is priceless. You cannot fix a price to it. It is so unique and so valuable. Komasha kach, Erka The more you try to fix a price to it, the more you insult it. So if I if you own a very valuable diamond. And I come and I say, wow, what a dollar. That must be worth a million dollars. It's like, hello? It's worth a lot more than a million dollars. So the network, oh, I'm sorry, it must be worth a billion dollars. It's like, you can't buy, okay. To turn it into terms that I think, like, this table would relate to, your child. Someone comes up and says, your child is so sweet, so beautiful. She's um, worth a million dollars. You're like... (laughs) What are you talking about? Right? A billion dollars. It doesn't matter what number they give you. Any number you would try to affix on the price of your child is an insult to the value that the child has for is to you. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Therefore, in the end, the real praise for something that is infinitely valuable is silence. Right? When you say that something is priceless, that's a higher praise than saying it's worth a trillion dollars. A trillion dollars is a lot of money. In the end, <laughs> the silence is the praise. All right. That was the Yerushalmi. And this is what the puzzle means. Another Pazak in Tehillim. <laughs> to you, Hashem, silence is praise. Hey, stillness is praise. The fact that we cannot praise him is the greatest praise. Now, how do you how do you associate that? What does it have to do here with Psyche de Zimmer where we are praising him? But we said, right, where the goal is to face forward into seeing the power. And that is scary. And really the first reaction to that is silence. When you're terrified. And it, the first reaction, i to say, wow, that's a really strong wave, right? It's, there's nothing to say about it. Maybe afterward you'll talk when it recedes or something like that. So, see, silence is the best phrase. <laughs> <laughs> she, it works for a while. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, she's a good girl. Okay. That, and in the end, what the bracha is telling us. We've talked, praise, praise, praise. Baruch she'amar v'haya ha'olam, Baruch Baruch Omer ve'oseh, Baruch Oseh Voracious Baruch... Right, all this praise we're giving to Hashem. And we're about to give more, because we're going to go into Pesuk D'Zimra Zimmer and actually say all this praise. And what the Anshe Knesset HaGadol are telling us what this bracha is, just remember that like, sof kol sof, in the end, The real praise is the part you don't say. It's getting that overwhelmed part that you can't put into words, right? I have no words. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. That is really the praise of Hashem. And that is a way of understanding, melech mehula batish bachos. It's a second meaning there. It's using both meanings of the word shevach. That Hashem is glorified through our praise and Hashem is glorified through our silence through our inability to praise him. Okay. So that officially concludes our study of Baruch Amar. which, I'm, I mean, no, it's such a disappointment. You just got here. Um, and I wanted to do a small introduction to Shema. It's not, we're going to do a long introduction to Shema. The Shema takes a lot of introducing. But just something to transition us, okay? So that's why we started with the Rav Hirsh but on... Maybe. Yeah. We started with the Rav Hirsh about the Psuke of Zimra and I want to transition over to Rav Hang on Shema. Plenty of room for you too. Okay. So here I excerpted. This is from Rav and and he gives sort of an overview of the whole davening service. So I just excerpted out this transition from Sukkot de Zimra Tushma. The day begins, creation awakes, another span is given to life, being newly created for the millionth time. You are also awakened and given back anew to life. What is it, this newly awakened world around you and in you? Who is it that appears to your inner self in all this awakening? It is God who is revealed to you by the history of your ancestors who in every age and generation is the almighty, the all-sustaining, judging, and guiding providence. Okay. So this is this eye-opening experience of Psyche de Zimra, is the revelation of God to each of us that happens when we look at the history of our own family and realize that, that He has hit, we see him suddenly almighty all-sustaining judging and guiding I mean these are this is powerful stuff it sounds great until you're watching it and then it's pretty scary and wonderful okay so this has to lead us to think what should you be in this newly awakened world I'm sorry I'm sorry what should you be in this newly awakened world what should you be in this choir of servants you should also be a servant okay so you've seen the sun you've seen the moon you've seen the stars right all these powers who are you going to be you look around and you say so what's my role mm-hmm. if i look in psuche de zimra at human history if i look up psuche de zimra at the oceans and the seas and the stars and all the right all the things that are created and they all sing out praise of hashem just by existing and doing his will so then why am i here that is the next step of thinking that psuche de Zimra is supposed to lead us to. That is our transition from psuche de Zimra to shema is a line of thinking that says, so what does this mean about me? Who am I supposed to be? What do I have to offer? If God has suns and moons and stars and mountains and waterfalls and oceans, and what does he need me for? What can I possibly contribute? Why am I here? What is my role? You should also be a servant and also should dedicate all your powers unitedly to his service. Okay, so now we start inching up the ladder from the world of emotion to, and the world of the natural forces to the world of the malachim. And the malachim are not the natural forces, they command the natural forces, or rather command is the wrong word, they uh, activate the natural forces. Hashem typically, not always, but typically it seems, so they say, that Hashem will send a malach to activate a natural force, that that's somehow the process in general, okay? And we know that malachim are 100% united to serving Hashem, right? They don't have conflict of a Yetzirah. There's no like split. torn priorities or anything going on with Malachim. So we're going to struggle up toward the level of mind and intellect, meaning making choices, saying, who should I be? I can choose who I can be. Because until now, I've been reacting. Until now, I've looked at the world and then reacted, which is important. Understanding the emotional reaction to what I see in Hashem's creation But the next step is to say, so what am I gonna do about it? That's choice, that's thought. That's not just reactive anymore, that's proactive. I'm saying, I'm going to think about it and make a decision as to what I'm gonna do, which means I'm not being ruled by the first level, which was guf, or the second level, which is regesh. Now I'm going to be at the level of secha, And that brings me to the level of malachim, on a spiritual plane. Because malachim are not being ruled by a body, they haven't got one, or an emotional state that, I guess, haven't got one of those either. So I can actually claw my way up (laughs) into the world of malachim. As his creating world calls forth the sun and summons the light of the world, so has God's love appointed Israel as the bearer of the light of spirit and life and as the bearer of the Torah. This is also the level of Torah. All these things are on the four-row chart, which I will, as Shem reprint. It's the world of, it's the level of Torah. All the brachos about Torah, right, are the brachos before Kriya Shema. Reading Shema is also learning Torah. And Torah is guidance, right? The word Torah is related to the word or, light. It's also lehorot, to teach, because teaching, teaching yourself in particular, right, Take, accepting teaching means not just reacting to whatever happens to you, but actually making choices. Oh, that you would be mindful of such a high task. Oh, that you would allow heart and spirit to be infused by the spirit of the Torah and allow your life in word and deed to be but a copy of the contents of the Torah. Saying, imagine if you could be like, like all those heavenly bodies that praise Hashem by being exactly what he created them to be. Imagine if you could praise Hashem by being exactly what he created you to be. How awesome. You would thus surrender yourself to God in love. Meaning your whole identity then would be exactly what you told me to be. Okay, We're going to spend a lot of time on this. Probably more in the next school year than this one. Okay, But this is where the concept comes of Shema as something people would say if they're giving up their life for Hashem right? Or before a person dies. You'd want to sum it all up as Shema. Because this is the saying, I want my whole self to be a praise to you. You would thus surrender yourself to God in love just as he summons you in love. Then will your physical life also endure, that is, as long as it remains the bearer of such light. Do you wish for a pledge of such a task, for a pledge of such a destiny? Then listen to it. Shema, right? In the words in which God himself has declared it unto you. In other words, you want to know, you want God to tell you that, yeah, like if you give yourself all the way to him, then your life will be forever and ever and ever. You think you're giving up your life. You're actually creating it. And you want to give him, yourself to him with total love, but like, does he love you? I mean, you were just looking at the terror part. You want to know? So listen, that's where the Shma comes in. Shema says, listen, listen to God talking to you. See it also in that God appears to you as the creator of your national existence. Psuke de Zimra thus form an introduction to Kriyashma, in which the view of God in the world and history is made into a bridge between Israel and duty. That in Psuke de Zimra, the view of Hashem in the creation of the world and in the creation, ongoing creation of history takes me, it bridges me, to a sense of personal duty and national duty. When the contemplation of God in world and history via the words of Psuke de Zimra have been uttered and felt, you pass on to the Birchos Kriya shema. You have thus enlightened your inner self. <laughs> it's happy. It's good. It's good stuff. Okay, so that's where we're going to stop for today. This kind of a, a very dense, but it, but it actually sums it all up. Okay, this is how we're getting from Sukhivizimra to Kriyashma. And I really hope you'll eat something. Mazlatav, hope you'll eat something. You. What can I get for you? It's um, okay. No, we're finished apparently. Or something for the moment. What woman. does she want? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? What do you choose? I'm going to take something to go. Yeah. Please do. I think we have enough. You can even take one home.